Hi ladies, welcome back to the show. I'm Trisha and today on our podcast we are going to talk about self-advocacy and we're going to talk about why it's important to be your own advocate especially when it comes to your health since this is a health and wellness podcast and you are most likely on a wellness journey. We are going to talk about today what self-advocacy is, why it's important, some ways and some examples of self-advocacy, some skills that you can start thinking about building when it comes to self-advocacy, and then also perhaps thinking about in your own life where there is a place that may need further investigating when it comes to being your own self-advocate. This episode is part of, it kind of started when I had done a podcast swap. So I had somebody on my podcast and then I went on her podcast and her name is Genesis Amaris Kemp and she talked about advocating for her dad who was sick in the hospital. Um, And so I will drop that episode next Tuesday um, as a bonus episode. So if you're interested in learning more about advocacy, especially when it comes to healthcare in the healthcare system, especially if you're a minority, because it talked about some disparities in the healthcare system, um, I will drop that episode and for sure listen to that too. So Today, when we're talking about advocacy and health advocacy, I feel like it's a topic that isn't really discussed that often. And if this episode means something to you, or if you feel like it's powerful and 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 you feel like there's someone who you could share this episode, please do in an effort so that we can share the mission of this podcast, which is to talk about whole health empowerment and normalizing it and to form a community around that. And I would be so grateful. So thank you. So when we talk about becoming your own self-advocate, what what in general does self-advocacy mean? Well, there's this whole movement of self-advocacy that I was educating myself on when I was doing this topic. And this movement began in 1968 in Sweden. So let me backtrack here. Self-advocacy as per the Oxford Dictionary, is the action of representing oneself or one's views or interest. So there was a movement surrounding self-advocacy that started in Sweden in 1968, and it carried over to the States more in the the early 1970s. So in 1968, though, in Sweden, this movement started because there was a Swedish parent's organization with children that had um, disabilities and the parents had this motto that they would speak for their children that they would speak on behalf of them so they would meet these parents would meet and talk about ways that they could advocate for their children but then during these meetings the the children who were disabled the disabled people decided that they wanted to them speak for themselves. And so they ended up making a list of changes that they wanted to make for their services as opposed to their parents who were speaking on behalf of them. There are many self-advocacy groups in the world today. The one that I was talking about was People First, and that continues. But there's other names and other self-advocacy groups um, also named Speaking for Ourselves, United Together, and Advocates in Action. 
So when we talk about self-advocacy, why is it important? Well, according to the CDC, two out of every three caregivers in the United States are women, meaning that women provide daily or regular support to children, adults, or people with chronic illnesses or disabilities. So I know for myself, I have a five-year-old, so I'm dealing with children, but then I also have a mom, you know, who's in her seventies, who at this point is independent, but you know, I think a lot of people find themselves in this gap where they're taking care of their young children, their older children, and then also their aging parents. And so who tends to be the caregiver, as the CDC suggests, is women. And so women are usually the caregivers. And so because they are caregivers, they have a greater risk for poor physical health, poor mental health, and greater incidences of depression and anxiety. So as women, we tend to be more involved in the health of our family members. And sometimes I think as women, we also take on that responsibility. And sometimes our own health becomes something of by the wayside because we are trying to take care of everybody else. And in that way, we may not be in tune with our bodies the way we would be if we weren't taking care of everybody else. Women in general tend to be more at risk for neglecting our own needs or putting other needs before our own. For sure, I have been guilty of that, and so perhaps you may be too. According to the CDC, they also talk about women with disabilities and how in general, women with disabilities need the same general health care as women without disabilities, but there may be different care that's needed to address the specific and individual needs um, of women with disabilities. And interestingly enough, women with disabilities, besides what you're thinking of as a disability, is also disabilities related to health. So that could be arthritis, and what they say is the most common cause of disability for women is osteoarthritis, rheumatism, fibromyalgia, and lupus, and that women with disabilities may not receive regular health screenings as recommended, such as mammograms and pap smears related to their disabilities. So this could be a health, this could be any kind of disability that um, that you are experiencing or that other women and men or anybody is experiencing. So when we talk about this idea of self-advocacy, why is it important? Well, when you're able to advocate for yourself, it helps create confidence in you. It helps create confidence in your body. Um, It allows you to make choices that you feel are right for your body, and it creates overall independence. And It's especially important if you're trying to manage chronic stress or a health challenge. I want you to think of your own life where there was a time that there was something that was either for you or somebody that you know that was something that was chronic and that you really felt like maybe at the beginning somebody knew something and could help you, but then along the way you ended up having to advocate for yourself because you know your body differently and better than anybody else does. So it's having that belief in yourself that you know what is best for you. 
Because ultimately, to get the best care and the care that you feel like is needed for you, you're going to have to have that idea that you are the one that that knows your body best. And no matter what anybody tells you, you know what is best for you. Um, when we talk about self-advocacy, it's how people treat you. And then more importantly, it's how you treat yourself. And it ends up being a lifelong journey and it gets better and you become more efficient the more you practice it. So, you know, for me, I'm thinking of my own when I had my issue with my hip, which is still ongoing. At the beginning, you know, I felt like there was probably something wrong. And when I said something to my doctor, they just kind of minimized it. And then it ended up being a bigger issue. And that was because I think at some point I was like, all right, like there is something bigger here. But a lot of this was also me not being um, familiar with being pregnant and then also me not being that connected with my body. I'm trying to, you know, there's all these changes going on and I don't know what is real and well, it's all real, but I didn't know what was normal Um, and what wasn't. And so perhaps you are in the same position that you feel like you're probably undergoing some kind of change that may be different for you and trying to navigate and educate yourself as to what is normal for that process or that disease state or just this point in your life and what is something that is concerning or should be concerning and you need more help trying to identify It requires when you have self-advocacy or when you are taking this time into really trying to figure out what is going on with your health or you're advocating for somebody else. Because again, women, two out of three of the times are the self-advocates in terms of health when it comes to other family members. It requires you to have some kind of core belief in yourself. So to realize that you are worthy of this attention and love that you're giving to yourself, that you are able to trust your gut and you know your body better than anyone else, and being firm and being okay with people telling you no, because you know that along the way, it may require you to be uncomfortable because you're speaking up for what you believe your needs are. Um, And it may require you to be very persistent in that, especially if it's something that isn't, when it comes to health conditions, if it's not that studied or when you have a nagging suspicion that there's something else bigger that can be done. It also requires you to ask a lot of questions and ask for help, which is a really big one when it comes to women. I think at the beginning, we probably feel like, oh, we can do this on our own. And then, you know, along the way, somehow it becomes really overwhelming and perhaps we need a little bit of help. Something else I want to point out here is that when it comes to women and men, when it comes to all things related to disease states and health in general, women may have different symptoms than men do. So a lot of the studies that are done are done on men. And so a lot of the symptoms that may appear or present itself when it comes to disease states are symptoms that men may have. And so for instance, when we talk about heart attacks, right? The what women, what men usually say is that they feel like a pounding in their chest or something that's an obvious 
a symptom that there could be something wrong with their heart. But for women, it could be completely different. It could be that they're feeling nauseous or they don't feel right. You can go to the um, American Heart Association and they have a whole symptom for women. But I'm thinking of my mom and my grandma and they both had heart attacks and it wasn't like anything that they thought was a heart attack. It was that they didn't feel right and they, they knew that there was something going on but their pain was different than what you would think it would be and what is you know associated with heart attacks and so kind of having a little bit of an idea of having this idea that you believe in yourself and you are that you were like trusting your gut that if you feel like there's something going on that you are able to kind of figure out and and go in a direction of, of further exploring that and getting care especially if you think it's something that is more severe and needs um, a physician's management so i think that what's important in this is that to recognize is that we teach our kids, right? We teach our kids that it's important to maintain our health. And we teach them to tell us if there are symptoms going on. And, you know, and if we're taking care of our elderly parents, we tell them to like, let us know if there's something going on. And if you don't feel right, and if you need to go to the doctors, but Somehow I think because we're always taking care of other people and we are managing our health last a lot of the times that we forget to take that own lesson for ourselves. And as a woman, your role is to maintain your own health. That's why you're here, right? Is to be able to take better care of yourself and to normalize that it's okay and it's and that it's a requirement to be able to maintain your own health in order to be able to help other people you can't help manage and advocate for your parents or your loved ones or your children if you're not doing that for yourself too but I think as women we have gotten to this place that again we neglect our own health in favor of other people that we find to be just as important or more important than ourselves. And so part of this idea of self-advocacy is communicating what your needs are and really starting to listen to what is going on with your own body. This is something that for sure I am working on. I, you know, in full disclosure, have been very disconnected from my own body. And so perhaps you feel like you're in the same place that you're compartmentalizing everybody first and that you need to kind of get back into having a reconnection with yourself and with your body and to create a mindset that you are responsible for your own health and that you also have control of your own health as well. And so when we talk about self-advocacy when it comes to health, well, what does that even look like? So in addition to being in a place that you are that you are starting to treat yourself and notice if you're having any symptoms and exploring any of the, any of those symptoms, it also means practicing different skills like 
listening to your body first trying to figure out if there's anything going on or if anything feels different than it normally does it means going to doctor's appointments if you feel like there is anything it also means keeping routine doctor's visits that can identify anything that is going on with you um you know how often and frequent your doctor's appointments will be some of that is based on age if you're still producing children you may need to do appointments more frequently um if you have a family history of breast cancer and different kind of cancers you may need to do other screenings like cancer screenings mammograms ultrasounds of your breast or colonoscopies more frequently so it all really depends on again this is very individualized your insurance company will also if you have insurance and you're lucky to have insurance will also give you guidelines on and your doctor will give you guidelines on how often you need to be seen so i think that's the first thing is to listen to your body keep your routine doctor's appointments i think it's also really important to kind of know your health numbers I did an episode way back when, and I could probably find it and put it in the show notes about knowing your health numbers. And that becomes important as you get older too. And when we talk about health numbers, we talk about, um, it's really like your blood pressure because are you someone who is at risk of high blood pressure and hypertension? And that is something that is called the silent killer because you may not know that you're having high blood pressure, but it increases your risk of stroke. So that's usually one of the numbers that they take. They will usually do some screenings as to your blood sugar numbers. So they may do something like your hemoglobin A1C and that will tell you your risk of diabetes, which is really important to know because diabetes is something that may seem very simple and very common, but has devastating impacts on your health the longer and the more unmanaged your numbers are. And then they'll do usually something like your cholesterol um, and your cholesterol will be what your good cholesterol is and your bad cholesterol is too. And all of those are really important because they just kind of give you an idea of what is happening in your health. Because again, a lot of these things are you would really have to kind of have an idea and really know where you shake out in your body and really be confident and know what's happening in your body. And I think for a lot of people, life is just so busy that we are all in some way not really paying attention to some of the stuff that's going on, or perhaps we're even scared and you may know that there's something there, but you're just not ready to deal with it. So that's why going to a doctor's appointment and keeping up with those appointments and listening to your body and getting those that blood work done is important because it just might provide you some information um, at a time when maybe it's not even something that you're focused on. A lot of that, like in terms of um, how often you need to get your numbers done, it really depends on your age and it depends on what your previous blood work looked like. So if you're somebody who has high blood pressure then that they see, then if they end up putting you on medication, then obviously you may then need to see your doctor more frequently. And the same with anything else, if your cholesterol is high or your um or your blood sugar is high, you're probably going to need to see your doctor as a follow-up so you can kind of figure out 
in what ways you can do to get those numbers down. And it's important because again, all of those things, all those three measurements in particular, your blood pressure, your diabetes, your your blood sugar, and your cholesterol, they're all silent. So you may not you're probably not going to feel, you may feel symptoms of your blood pressure being high or low and your blood sugar being high or low, but probably not so much with cholesterol. So it's important because in general, it's silent and you wouldn't know if you are at risk for any of those things unless you get that blood work done. So it's important to have that done routinely so that you can work hard on getting those numbers if they're abnormal, into a normal range, because ultimately that's what's going to help you have a better quality of life. And it's going to help you get to a place that you can work on getting those numbers down so that you can have normal levels and that your overall you know, risk of disease can be lower. And it's going to be important for you to go to the doctor to get that done because if you're not going to the doctors frequently enough, you're probably not going to be in a place that you're going to get them done. Another thing that I was thinking of when it comes to self-advocacy is knowing what's happening with any of the meds that you're on. So knowing if the meds that you're on is helping you, if you feel like you need an adjustment to your dose, um, figuring out if you have any disease states that you've been diagnosed with and just kind of having an idea of what is what it is that you may or may not have or what you're at risk for. Um, if you have a family history of different diseases, kind of having an idea of what your exact risk is of getting that, especially if you have something that is rare or that has been genetically seen in your family, perhaps you need to investigate that. When I think of that, I'm thinking of breast cancer um, and women that have the BRCA gene. And I'm also thinking about some other different kind of cancers. And um, I know that I remember years ago, there was a, a patient that I saw and they had this family history of this rare stomach cancer. Maybe it wasn't even, maybe it was like in a magazine. It wasn't even at my job, but there's a whole bunch of people in the family that ended up having that too, but they knew so they could do some things in their control to modify it or that they could have, you know, surgery, I guess, if they needed to, in order to prevent it from progressing. So just really trying to figure that out. Um, one of the other things is just knowing and listening to your body. If you're somebody who is better connected to their body and just trying to figure out if something is different than it normally is, because this is where hormones could play a part in this. Um, you know, especially if you're premenopausal or postmenopausal or menopausal, um, and, you know, I think in this decade, especially your 40s and 50s, this is where there's going to be a lot of hormone changes and a lot of symptoms based on things like that. So it's important that you follow up with your doctor to help manage that so you don't feel like you're really struggling and trying to survive when it comes to your health. Mental health is something that's also really important in this in this time. So you know, trying to figure out if you are somebody who's experiencing symptoms of anxiety or depression and trying to figure out if you need to seek medication or you need to seek help from a mental health professional. Um, you know, I think it's it could be anything. I think mental health is important because it might not be that you need medication, but it might be that you need some guidance and some and some support. And that could be 
finding ways to adequately handle any stress that's happening for you or some kind of stress management, adding some component like that into your life. That's a form of self-advocacy saying, gosh, I need help. I'm really struggling with either you know, anxiety, depression, shame, guilt, anything that you could be experiencing. You may need some guidance from other people who have been where you have been. And you may have periods where you're helping Maybe you're in a period where you're helping people more and then maybe you're in a period where you need more help. And so allowing yourself to receive that help, which I know is really hard. I knew that from personal experience. Um, but really knowing that in order to get through this this period in your life that might be hard, letting people help you might be something that you need to do to survive even no matter how difficult that may seem for you. And if you are somebody who has children, um, especially children that require some kind of, um, you know, they can't be by themselves trying to seek out people who can help you with childcare. If you have elderly parents that you're taking care of, trying to figure out if you have siblings or other people that can help manage your parents. Um, perhaps you need some kind of respite services. I know when I worked at a nursing home, we would have um, patients admitted for like a weekend or for like a week while their family members went on vacation or just had some time that they were able to regroup and that they were able to be cared for why their caregivers were able to take care of themselves during that time. You know, I always, again, I'll talk about having a therapist if you feel like you need a little bit more support or to get all of that stuff that's in your head out of your head, finding somebody that can help you do that and talk you through things. And perhaps that is someone that can help you even feel like you're becoming more connected to who you are and to your body as well. And then there's also support groups and support groups can be for anything. Support groups can be therapy support groups. They can be support groups for any anything that you're experiencing in your life, whether it comes to infertility, whether it comes to kids, whether it becomes from aging parents, whether it becomes from substance abuse, whatever, whether it's related to the disease that you may have. Support groups are really helpful in feeling like you're not so alone and that other people understand exactly what you're going through. So these are some ways that you can advocate for yourself also besides what you're thinking of in terms of self-advocacy. And then lastly, what are some other things that you can do when it comes to advocating for yourself? Well, you can ask a lot of questions. I would say that's the biggest thing to do. I mean, if you don't understand something, ask questions. Your doctor wants to help you and they may be talking at a level which perhaps maybe isn't familiar to you. So just ask a lot of questions and try to, you know, it, it, there's no dumb questions, especially when it comes to your health. It, I would, you know, it's probably much better for you to get your answers from the doctor as opposed to going home and Googling or going on WebMD and finding, um, finding answers that may not even be specific to your particular situation. So ask questions, ask lots of questions, um, speak up for what you think you need or what you desire or, just anything. I mean, I think that's some of being a self-advocate is really, really getting to a place that 
you know what your rights are and that you're speaking up on those rights. Um, be persistent. That's a really big one too. I know that we don't want to bother our doctor, but sometimes in the U.S. The medical system, I don't know if in, internationally it's the same way, but be persistent because sometimes I feel like I've contacted my medical professionals or people that I need help from and I haven't heard back from them and then I'm waiting, 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 but why we like there's so many ways that we can contact them and in if that particular provider isn't being someone who is helpful to you then perhaps you go and you find somebody else who is going to be more forthcoming and is going to be more available to you ask for help that's a really big one i think especially when it comes to women i think in general it's much easier to be the one that helps other people and to bring them food and and be there for them, but it's much harder to be the recipient of that. So I think that sometimes you're going to have to ask for help, especially if it especially if it's going to be something that allows you to have some kind of freedom or that somehow allows you to have some kind of easing of your symptoms or helps manage any of the stress that you may feel. People want to help. And I think people are innately really good. I mean, I can only talk from my own experience, but I've had people in my life that have just been overwhelmingly so kind to me at periods when I needed it the most. And I suspect that there's a lot of people out there that are willing to do the same thing. And so all it, I think asking sometimes is the hardest part, but usually people are much, they want to help, they just don't know how to do it. And so then also just kind of problem solving and trying to figure out, okay, what is it that you need and what is your next step? And so now that I've talked about all these reasons, like what self-advocacy is, and we've talked about why it's important, and we've talked about what it means to be a self-advocate and different ways that you're able to build skills around self-advocacy, I want to ask you a really important question. Is there a place in your life that you feel like you're struggling when it comes to being an advocate for yourself? Do you feel like there's some place that, you know, that in your body may not quite feel right or may need further investigating? And it's okay to be scared and to not want to do anything about it. But I would say if you start to feel like you are feeling something like that, just take a little step today to start to further investigate that. And it may not be that you're calling the doctor right away, but it might mean that you're starting to explore it and you're not ignoring it. Because I, I've seen that too, where sometimes people are so scared that they're not able to be an advocate for themselves because the fear gets in the way. And I know that we all know how that feels too. And so, you know, even taking... When I talk about this idea of taking one step and making one step in the direction that you want to be, that includes for everything. There's lots of areas in our life where we're scared, but the only way to get past that fear is this, is kind of to walk into it, which is sounds absurd. I get that, but kind of just take one step in the direction of where you need to go. So if you feel like something might not be right in your life, what can you do today to further investigate that and to figure out if you need to call your doctor or if you need to um, 
if you need to do something different. So, you know, maybe you can also break that into small increments too, right? We always talk about making these small changes over and over and again gets us to the place that we need to be. So perhaps that's what you need to do is just to kind of figure out if there's a place that needs a little bit of further exploration today. And certainly you can reach out to me if you're scared and I can help give you some, I mean, I can't help you diagnose anything, but certainly if you are scared, I can help try to motivate you to just to kind of take some step forward today in the right in a direction that may be able to ease that fear and to walk into what it is that you're trying to that you're scared of um I can always provide you with motivation that's probably all that's probably all I can do but I'm happy to do it so that's what I would say is just to kind of figure out you know different ways that knowing that you're deserving of being an advocate for yourself, that it might be hard and it might not be something that feels very easy to you, um, but that it's necessary for you to be your own advocate, especially if you're somebody who's taking care of kids or taking care of your elderly parents or any of your loving friends, because you can't be a good advocate for them if you're not being a good advocate for yourself. You are just as important as they are, but I know it is easier to take care of other people sometimes than ourselves. So I hope that you guys have a great week. Um, a reminder that I will have that extra podcast episode up next Tuesday. I'll drop that. And then if you feel like anybody could benefit from this podcast, please share it with them because that's a way that we can grow this community of women just like you. So I will see you guys back here next week and thanks again for listening.